0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
1: 9.19am, you are listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana with Keith. Let's get a quick update on the FBM KLCI. Any chance it's turned green?
0: No, it's actually fallen a little bit more. It's down uh, 0.3% at 1,000, just below 1,460 points right now. Uh, the rest of Asia is pretty much the same as well.
1: All right. Well, we're turning our attention specifically to what's happening in the Singapore stock market. Now, the Monetary Authority of Singapore had last week mentioned that amid the global uncertainty, they expect more modest growth for Singapore's economy in the short term. However, the second half of 2024 should bring gradual improvement. This
0: rather tepid outlook is reflected in the performance of the Singapore Straits Times Index, which is uh, at the moment down 2.6% on a year-to-date basis. Rather a decent return when compared to its regional peers like Thailand and the Philippines. The STI is currently today, right now, is down 0.3% at 3,170 points. However, since markets are known to move ahead of economic fundamentals, it's time to relook the Singapore equity market.
1: For some thoughts on this, we have on the line with us Jeff Howey, SGX Market Strategist. Jeff, good morning. Thanks, as always, for joining us. So we're almost reaching the end of 2023. The index, like we said, is down close to 2.6% on a year-to-date basis. Who would you say have been the biggest winners and losers this year?
2: Hi, Shazana. Uh, I guess you've got to take into account that dividends actually boost that total return to a positive 2% total return in the year to date. And that really puts the STI in the middle of the Asia-Pacific leaderboard this year, and that's after we topped the APAC leaderboard last year. But the STI itself is very diverse, and uh, thus there's been quite a significant 70 percentage point performance difference between the best and the least performing STI stock in the year to date. So the, yes, the stock which has seen the highest total return was Semcorp Industries, a total return of the vicinity of 50%, while Venture Corporation has been the least performer with a 23% decline in total return. And then you have also new joiners to the STI, so Cetrium, While it's declined 20% thereabouts in the total return this year, it did join the STI this year after its market cap did grow significantly with the Keppel offshore marine asset acquisitions. But I guess from an overall industry perspective, you've had utilities lead, followed by industrials and then banks, while real estate stocks pretty much on the other side weighed the index.
0: Jeff, uh, Singapore's GDP growth is projected to be at the lower half of the zero point five percent to one and a half percent range that was forecast for 2023. So, with this slowdown, what do you reckon are the what What do you reckon are companies most resilient to this?
2: Yeah, well, this year it's been manufacturing and trade. Keith, that has really weighed Singapore GDP, it has not meant that there's been blanket weakness for the manufacturing and trade sensitive stock sectors, but it has had an impact on the overall industry growth outlooks, in particular for the technology and the adjacent serving sectors to technology. So like Singapore's industrial production, though, I should caveat that transport engineering resilience Uh, It has extended to the transportation related manufacturers here in Singapore in the year thus far. But um, what we've seen, I think, interestingly, over the recent months is our stocks becoming more determinedly looking towards 2024 because... We, we are, as you said, expected to grow in uh, just, just sub 1% this year, but then we are expecting to see Singapore's growth rate double up to over 2% next year. And IMF also expect uh, ASEAN 5, which we're both a part of, to also accelerate next year from 4.2% to 4.5%. So for Singapore, that acceleration from this year is expected to come from uh, robust services, in addition to sustained expansion in construction um, and that's given the on the construction part that's given a sizable pipeline of government projects, but for the growth in the services sector, it's expected to be supported by continued improvement in trade services, information and communication and a robust tourism industry.
1: So, REITs were particularly hard hit by rising interest rates uh, this year. I think the sector underperformed the broader STI on a year to date basis, but we have been seeing an uptick recently. Do you think the worst is over?
2: Yeah, um, Shazana, I think it very much depends on the outlook of this uneven, slowing global growth, Uh, even though, as I said before, in the region, we are expected to pick up our tempo. But what This really anchors onto is is the tighter financial conditions across the world and just how tighter the financial conditions go and for how long they stay. Uh, In particular, 70% of the world's REIT stocks are actually listed in the U.S. So what happens in the U.S. has tidal impacts on the global REIT market, particularly through the high interest rates. But as we saw last week, the 10-year US Treasury yields, they retested the 4.5% level. I think at the moment, they're around 4.6%. But that last week, that did provide a strong bid tone to US equities, and that also impacted the globe. So um, that decline in the US yields did see the FTSE EPR and REIT index rally some 7% last week. And then we also had an impact. Our IHS REIT index gained around 5%. And that halved it's year to t- year to date decline in total return to a decline of five percent. So uh, it did have a big impact next year, but we're yet to make the green uh, for the REIT index in the in the twenty twenty three year to date. But the, I think going forward, the major overarching catalyst for these moves. It's it, it was a step down in the expectations for the 25 basis point hike at the next FOMC. It was a significant step down. So expectations are now 5%. And those expectations were as much as 45% in late August that we would have a rate hike in December. So that's where it very much um, hinges on US continuing to make progress with reducing inflation to 2% levels and um, basically hoping that the ongoing impact of the rate hikes that have already been made continue to work through the system.
0: Jeff, if we look at a couple of Singapore's lenders, uh, DBS showed some stellar results, uh, 16% increase in net profit, but they do expect loan growth to be to be challenging going forward. UOB also mentioned single digit loan growth going, going forward. Uh, what does this indicate about the health of this sector?
2: Yeah, well, uh, Keith, on the loan growth, the overarching slower global growth and that outlook for high for longer on rates, it has had this impact on loan growth. So it's down 2% for DBS for the first three quarters of the year versus last year, but it's still up 1% in constant currency terms, but also down 2% year on year for UIB. So um, the trio of banks here in the SDI that had gone into this year positioning for single-digit percentage loan growth. However, they had to revise that to low single digit once it became apparent that, number one, China was pursuing consumer-led growth tract rather than investment-led growth. Number two, the technology down cycle would play through the year. And number three, that there would be no reprive in the Fed funds rate this year. So I think a better outlook for growth in 2024, potentially lower rates next year as well, Um, it has seen UOB actually project mid-single-digit loan growth for 2024. And DBS did note uh, in the CEO's presentation that for 2024, while the higher for longer rates support the net interest margins, there is, of course, that trade-off with loan growth. Um, So on the the net interest margins, that has a pretty big impact on the total income of the growth, of, of the total income of the trio. On Friday morning before the open, if OCBC reports the same net interest income for the third quarter as it did for the second quarter, or even the first quarter of this year, then the trio will actually report another quarterly record for combined net interest income. And that combined total would be above $8 billion for the quarter for a fourth consecutive quarter. Mm. But at the same time, yeah, uh, sorry Shazana, you've got non-interest income growth has been a really important thread for the bank's businesses as well. And UOB project double-digit fee growth next year, while DBS expects fee income momentum to be sustained by number one, wealth management, number two, cards.
1: Jeff, thank you as always for the chat. That was Jeff Howie, market strategist at the Singapore Exchange, giving us his outlook uh, for various sectors of Singapore equities, uh, things that we can watch out for before the end of the year. And also going into 2024, it's 9.28 a.m. We're heading into some messages and also the 9.30 a.m. News Bulletin. After that, on People, Planet, Profit, I'm speaking to Matthew Haddon, Global Leader for Nature and Water at ERM on nature risks for business continuity. Stay tuned, BFM 89.